Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Edgy talk. Plain talk. Unrivaled talk. Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The independent republic of Mike Graham. See it. Hear it. Think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. At the end of another extraordinary week, one in which the government appears to have turned into some kind of charitable institution, uh, giving out money right, left and centre. The only difference is they haven't actually raised the money from anywhere, uh, they've just invented it. They don't have the money to give away, but they're going to give it away anyway. They don't know quite who they're going to give it to, they say they're going to give it to everyone. What could possibly go wrong? This is a government that literally could not run uh, a whelk stand. They could not run a passport office. They could not run the DVLA. They can't get you a driving licence. They can't even get you into Heathrow uh, without waiting for five hours because they haven't got enough people working for the border force because they're all down in Dover stopping people. Oh, no, sorry, they're not stopping people coming in. They're bringing them in uh, despite the fact that they promised to stop them coming in by sending them to Rwanda, which they're also not doing. You're starting to see a pattern here. All these people outside coming to tell me, I know exactly how this is going to work. They're going to put the money directly into your account so that your electricity and gas bill will be reduced. Really. I've had a tweet the day already from Pete. He said, I would like to nominate the £400 we put behind the bar of my local pub so that I can use it wisely. Other people suggesting, why not put it into a holiday fund or maybe into a Ladbrokes betting account? Why don't you choose where you'd like the 400 quid to go uh, and let me know. You can text us at 81089. You can tweet us, of course, uh, at uh, Talk, right, Talk TV and indeed at IROMG. You can call us 0345-0344-499-1000. Richard Tice is here uh, to help us through this maze of financial miscreancy, for want of a better word, because I don't really see how this is going to help, number one. He can explain that. I also don't understand how they're going to do it. How are they going to give everybody all this money? And if you're going to give people on benefits 650 to a £1,000, what do you think they're going to do with it exactly? I mean, I'm not trying to uh, be in any way um, describing people on benefits as dull bludgers, but some of them might decide to use the money for things which might not quite be anything to do with heating the hope. Right? You know what I'm saying? 0344 499 We've got lots of other things going on. We're going to talk about the BBC. Nick Robinson, absolute disgrace. Mike Yardley's coming on to talk about Ukraine. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jubilee celebrations and Meghan Markle, of course, as well. Lewis Perry's going to be here to talk about electric cars. Apparently there's no more electric charge points. So bad luck if you're trying to get around uh, in one of those leafs, as they call them. Uh, this is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on. Well, I scarcely know where to begin. Richard Tice, a very good morning to you. A very good morning to you. What, what a week. Have uh, we woken up in uh, pre-Soviet Union Russia? Well, I've been saying for months that the government would have to do something 
because of the huge increase in energy bills that firstly I'd just like to remind everybody mm. is totally as a result of this government's and this Conservative Party's incompetence over energy policies for the last decade. Mm. Because let's remember they didn't invest in nuclear power, they didn't invest in granting more North Sea oil and gas licenses. Right. They promised us a shale gas industry in 2017 and then reneged on it. Yeah. If we'd done all those things, guess what? Energy prices wouldn't have soared in the, in the way they have. Yeah. So this is totally at their door. Uh, and now they're basically having to bail everybody out because it's completely unsustainable. I mean, they had to do something. Um, and, and finally, they, uh, they came round to it. Coincidentally, coincidentally, mm. Mike, and, and you think it is a coincidence. I'm afraid, once again... You're completely wrong. <clears throat> this was this was not a You're coincidence. You're not accusing me of being wrong while I'm taking a sip of my coffee. <laughs> I just spit it out again. Listen, you have yet to prove that I've been wrong no, about anything. You, you were wrong on Rwanda. You keep saying that. And and now you're wrong because yesterday, I yeah. think it was yesterday, you said that it was a pure coincidence yes. that the great giveaway, mm. Rishi's great giveaway, was the day after well, the Sue Gray report. Yeah, it's, called, Sue, it's, it's a classic dead cat. No, not really. When you need a distraction, you throw a dead cat on the table. Yes. And that distracts everybody. But here's the reasoning behind what I said, which will convince you that I was once again correct, right? Because what I actually said was that the whole party gate nonsense is dead now. It's buried. That's the real dead cat because there's nothing going on. The only people keeping it going. Did you see Nick Robinson yesterday on the BBC? I'll never go at him later. He accused, um, I think it was Steve Barclay, who was the minister he was quizzing, of basically killing people off. He, he, he named a guy who was supposedly a cleaner working in Downing Street who was made to come in to clean during this whole fiasco of Partygate and who contracted COVID and died. And he more or less said, without saying it in quite so many words, that Boris Johnson was responsible for the deaths of people who were made to work in Downing Street when they were supposed to be staying at home. Now, it turns out that, one, this guy did exist, but he wasn't working at Downing Street. He worked in the Justice Ministry. And so Robinson had to well, issue this grovelling <clears throat> apology to excellent. say that he got it wrong. Well, that's the BBC for you, and that's why people listen to talk TV exactly. instead. And, you know, I just think that... Uh, I mean, yes, Partygate is sort of... There's nothing left in it. It's, <coughs> there's it's nothing literally left. A, a deflated football. But don't forget, another four Tory MPs, after the release of the Sue Gray report, have put in letters. So, four. Uh, four. So it's, it's still bubbling. It will keep bubbling. Well, will He's not people. going anywhere. Yeah, but the most of those four, I think three out of those four, have already called for him to resign. No, they hadn't. Anyway. These are four new ones who hadn't previously called for him to resign. And so that's a, it's a thing. It's not a huge thing, it's but a, it's, it's a, a thing. It's a very small thing. I think but I but the, the reality is that uh, the timing of this was not a coincidence. This was designed and rushed through in order to try and take the heat off an embattled prime minister and an embattled cabinet. And, you know, Rachel Reeves, actually, you know, fundamentally, this windfall tax, and that's what it is. Yeah. No, it's not. No, excuse me. No. Can you please call it by the correct oh, name? Which is? Which is? Which is a... a, 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 a let's, let's be clear. Go on. So the Chancellor has called it a, a targeted energy profits levy. Yes. It's a windfall tax. Right. It was the idea of many others, mm. including myself. We've been talking about it for weeks and months and months. Yeah. And finally, they just rename it, rebadge it. I still don't think it. it's the right idea, by the way, because I don't agree with the windfall tax. I think it's wrong. I think what they should be doing is putting pressure on these companies to make their services cheaper so that people actually are paying less money for well, them. There's no point giving people money to continue so that these people can profiteer from the high prices. So, so I knew the government had to do something. I think they've done it slightly in the wrong way. The way they should have done it is to cut taxes hard for the lowest paid, the least well off. They yeah. should have cut VAT mm. on energy bills. They should have scrapped the environmental levies, mm. and they should have cut fuel duty. That way, you also, at the same time, 
reduce inflation. Yes. So it would have had another significant positive benefit. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you, because, you know, what would be the difference to the Treasury in terms of cost to take 5% off the VAT on fuel uh, or to give away 400 quid to every household or whatever it is? Um, what would be the difference in that, one? But also, two, surely if you're just inventing money, you're literally printing money, or for want of a better word, well, you, you know, essentially they're, easing. They're, they're right? borrowing it from their own computer. Yes. That's the reality. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to stimulate growth. Mm. So, you know, as I keep saying, if you cut taxes and put more money in people's pockets and small businesses' pockets, they will spend that and they will invest it and you'll get higher growth. Yes. That's the basic theory. And, but, but, can and that is right. but can you stimulate an economy with money that you're basically yes. making up? Well, but that's what many businesses do. You borrow short term to invest mm. in order to create a... Uh, a bigger business, yes. a more valuable business a, in that, the medium yeah, term. Yeah, but that's, a, that's a more and targeted. And that's, that's the same theory. But that's a more targeted investment plan, isn't it? Whereas this is just hope for the best. Well, Let's hope that all these people in a sense, spend the money down the high street, but they might not. In a sense, the Chancellor is running the business of the United Kingdom, the UK PLC. Yeah. That's the business that he's essentially investing short-term borrowing in in order to get medium-term growth. I respect that. He's just done it in the wrong way which, you know, therefore, he's not going to reduce inflation, which mm. he has the opportunity to. Yes. But hear me out. There will have to be another round of this mm. before the year end. And he's because hinted I think that energy, he's hinted that uh, Because I think there's more energy price rises to come because of uh, the, the fact that, you know, we're still importing huge amounts of our gas and we've got the huge increase in the subsidies from the re- renewable mm. industry. And here's the thing. Yes, you don't like a, win- a windfall tax. No. Let's call it what it is. But the the renewable companies, they are making off like bandits Mm. because the price of electricity is so high, Mm. so much higher than they originally budgeted for. They're making vast profits. And also their subsidies are going up by the rate of inflation, much higher than they expected. So what actually the Chancellor should do, he should actually also tax them. And here's the other thing to remember. Remember, all of this oil and gas that comes out of the North Sea Mm. or under our feet, it belongs to all of us. It's ours. It's not. It doesn't belong to BP. No. It doesn't belong to the Chancellor. It belongs to all of us. We all have a stake in it, and it's quite right that when the price of it goes up, you know, much more than anybody expected, that actually we, the people, should take some of the benefit. And that's why, actually, um, <clears throat> I think it is justified. Okay. Well, in that case, it shouldn't be a windfall tax. It should be a tax which is on some kind of um, fuel accelerator exactly. price, shouldn't it? And then so, it should be long yes. term. So you, so you, you do it over the long term, term and you say you're investing, this is the, the, the sort of the break-even yeah. price with a profit margin mm. that the operators are using, and then you say, but if you get windfall price levels, mm. then we the people should get a percentage of that, because fundamentally, remember, it belongs to us, because yes. oil and gas belongs to the Crown, and the Crown is basically owned yes. by the Treasury. But my point about um, where the money then goes, though, once it's been given back to the public, is that it's unlike a company which is specifically investing in a particular piece of land, or a particular property, or a particular kind of, you know, I don't know, copyright or something. We are hoping that the people who are getting all this money are going to spend it wisely and are going to put it into well, the economy well, in some way, but they may not. But, but, but I always trust the people. And I th- yes, I do. Very and unwise, though. No, I th- no, never and underestimate. This, let me read you this from uh, Chloe. My granny and granddad used to use their fuel allowance to go to Malta for January, where it was warmer. They didn't need it, but it's not means-tested. How much of this cash will be going on holidays, tattoos, piercings, weed, hot tubs, luxury items, etc.? But it's all economic activity, 
and an individual will spend the money more well, wisely than a civil dealer. servant. They'll spend the money more wisely than a civil servant spending it on your behalf. So I would rather the people and small businesses mm. spend the money and get more value out of it yes. than a civil servant wasting it on your behalf, I working agree. from home. But also, I've heard Rishi Sunak this morning being interviewed talking about how they're going to set out this sort of um, you know lifeline for business. They want business to be able to invest more. They want business to be able to expand more. They're putting corporation tax up. Exactly. No. I mean, so small businesses, like mine, for example, it's just going to get smaller. Yours is a large business. Well, it's, it started <laughs> off as a large business. And now it's becoming smaller every year. No, you're absolutely right. That's why I keep banging on about it until I'm literally blue in the face. Yeah. You've got to cut taxes, and that's why they're now called the consocialists. Mm. There's no difference between them and Labour. No. They're both the, the, the parties of, of high tax, raising taxes, worse, high regulation. And actually, Rachel Rees, the uh, shadow chancellor, she said on Jeremy's show just earlier uh, that it was about raising taxes. And, and you know she talks about fair taxes, mm. but she also said she wants to raise taxes. Right. It's completely wrong. All that will lead to is lower growth uh, and therefore more stagnation. Mm. We, we, you've got to grow your way out of this crisis. Yeah. You can't tax your way out of this no. crisis. It's, it's very simple. Mm. And I can't understand why these MPs don't get it. And what I don't understand as well, and we'll come back to this because we've got to stop for a moment, is that, you know, it's all very well just giving money away, but it's a terrible precedent that they're setting here. They're basically saying, if you can't afford the lifestyle that you've got, don't worry, we'll give you some money to help you along. It's like the tax credit system, which I always thought was a terrible system, you know, because we should not be subsidising employers who don't pay a fair wage to people. In the same way, if you can't afford Netflix and, you know, a load of uh, trips to the pub and a trip to Benidorm every year, then don't do it. Just don't do it. You know, save the money. This is what socialism looks like, says Ian. I think he's absolutely right. There's lots to talk about. We want to hear from all of you. Richard Tice is here. I'm Mike Graham. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your smart speaker, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here with me. Uh, Mike Graham, Richard Tice is here. He'll be back, of course, on Sunday uh, with a host of great guests. We'll talk about that in a minute. I was saying earlier to Jeremy Kyle, I'm not very comfortable with with the government sort of going in and out of my bank account. And one minute, you know, it's sucking money out or putting money in. I don't want them anywhere near my bank account, thanks very much indeed. And I've asked you to explain exactly how this supposed um, transfer will work. So tell us. So the the energy bill discount won't actually go direct into your account from the government. What Mm. happens is that the energy companies between... Uh, October and March, so over that six-month period, they will apply an automatic discount mm. to every single energy bill uh, provider, or sorry, right. energy bill owner, right. uh, recipient of energy bill, they will get that discount automatically. So in a sense, less money will come out of your bank account right. as opposed to money so being injected into your bank account. So in other words, they will give account. the money to the, to the, to they, the they energy give, companies. Correct, and then the energy so companies don't charge you. So will I get a statement you. from my, get, my On your statement, yes, and you'll get it sort of... £400 credit. Yes, but it's spread over six months, so as opposed to a one-off. Off. Why can't I just do it once? Well, because because of your quite right concerns that yeah. people might not spend it too wisely if they get too much immediately well, exactly and put it right. straight behind the but local see, for example, the bar refuse, and the local pub. I, because oh, you can tell that I have uh, absolute hatred of anybody going anywhere near my bank account, I, I refuse to do a direct debit with the power companies because they sometimes take loads of money out yes. and then go, oh, sorry, we'll give, they, give you that back in a couple of months. Well, that's fine. Like, you, we've overestimated what you're You'll just spend. have to write a, an old-fashioned cheque to them uh, for a smaller account. Uh, amount. Well, I know so, I, I pay them by electronic transfer every every time okay. they send me a so bill. So you'll just send them less as opposed to uh, sending them... So they'll the, the, bill me less. Harder. They presumably. will bill you less uh, every month between October and March. No. And then those, for example, uh, that receiving um, benefits between October to March. Right. So each so, month... So that's quite a long way off. Uh, yes, that's right. It's quite a long way off. Because, of course, that's when the next increase So I could be happens. bankrupt by then. 
Well, I mean, come October, I might be absolutely <laughs> boracic. I might be all out of money. In which case, you'll be even more grateful. Uh, so let's stop see. complaining so October, about November, it. December, January, February. So six months at yes. 400 quid. You're a whiz on mathematics. Well, it's sort of just over, I think, 65 quid uh, a month. Is, hopeless, the, uh, is, is the saving. But in the interim, of course, there's lots of people who are suffering short term. Yeah, so how are they pay um, between now and October? Well, uh, that's, uh, that's another point. And so for those on benefits uh, who will get si- an additional £650, that will be uh, paid into their accounts <coughs> that they receive the universal credit and mm. the pension credit, and they'll get that in July. That will be the first payment, and the second payment will be in the autumn, uh, exact date to be confirmed. So that's uh, those, the 8 million households on uh, benefits, and then the pensioners will receive it alongside the existing winter fuel payment. Mm. They'll get the additional £300, that, so that's paid in November or December. So the people who are in on benefits receive, will receive the £400 the same way as far as the energy prices? In respect to the energy prices, yes. Right. Uh, those on benefits get that in the same the way I've described. 650 you can have that in cash if you want. You'll get that in cash in July and in the autumn. Right. For those well, I mean, the, people have said, and I'm not necessarily one of them because I don't believe that you have to lump everybody in the same kind of way, but, you know, wouldn't it have been more sensible rather than giving them £650 in, you know, readies to actually give them either food stamp, food vouchers or something like that, something so that they're not going to just splurge it? Well, a lot of it is about actually fundamentally... Uh, we should trust the people and we need to make people yeah, individuals can't. no hang on you need to make individuals responsible for running their own household budgets and i think that is a that actually is a traditional conservative message and i think that is the right thing to mm. do it's also cheaper to administer doing it this way and right. i completely get that um and so uh, you know, I understand why they're doing it this way. You you're know, not telling me that people aren't going to misuse the money, are you? Uh, look, some people for sure will. Yeah. But I think you know, many people will actually be very grateful uh, for this help because I've been knocking on doors and I can tell you the fear in people's eyes, you know, in their minds about how they were going to pay these bills. I heard it just you know, literally mm. earlier this week, knocking on doors. Yeah. And And so I think actually many people will say, Thank heavens, I can see a way through yes. this really, really challenging time. But it's a bit time. of a sticking plaster in a way, isn't it? It is a sticking plaster, which is why I keep saying the right solution is cut taxes in the variety of ways I, I mentioned earlier, on VAT, on, on fuel duty, on environmental levies, because that will reduce the rate of inflation. That mm. will create higher growth. Yeah. And here's the thing. At a time of full employment, if you cut taxes for those in jobs, mm. then actually it pays even more to be out there working yes. and to be looking for work and doing work. And so that's a good thing as well, because we want, you know, there's over half a million people who used to be economically active yeah. who are now economically inactive. We need those back in the job And we market. keep hearing all the time from people who say we haven't got enough people. I mean, just this morning, Birmingham Airport talking about not having enough staff. You know, we've got restaurants and we've got the hospitality business saying we haven't got enough staff. I went to a pub the other day. Uh, due to lack of staff, uh, we don't have any food. And, and here's the and conundrum. Going, Sorry? Here's the conundrum, because we keep hearing that, and yet we know that last year, the immigration figures which came out yesterday showed that almost a million people had been granted long-term visas to stay in the country yes, that's something in else 2021. I'm going to be talking about it on Sunday. Yeah. But So we've got the highest population ever, and yet we've got a shortage of staff. Mm. And for me, something doesn't quite compute. I haven't got the exact answer. It'd be interesting what people think but I think there's a lot of people who are economically inactive who have found ways to exist on a variety of other forms of income 
uh, benefits, well, the black whatever, economy. the black economy, who knows? Because we do know that there's a substantial black economy in this country where there are people working below the radar, yeah. off the grid, whatever you like, however you want to refer to it as, in the illegal businesses that we run in this country, whether it's gambling or prostitution or drug dealing, it's massive. So, and, and, and in a sense, because it's, it's the sort of the underground economy, you, you don't know how big it is, but, but there is something that doesn't quite compute. Mm. As I say, you know, we've got an extra million, about 400 odd thousand of them were students. Yeah. Um, and then they bring in family vendors. So, you know, this is another big, big issue. It's part of the reason why, you know, it makes it much harder to get uh, affordable housing, yes. GP appointments and so on. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, we've got to encourage more people back into work. And that's why it's right to cut taxes for those in work and stimulate activity that way and encourage more people into work. Yes. A couple of other stories just to mention to you. Uh, the owners of Jaguar Land Rover, which are, of course, Indian, uh, are threatening to shift electric car production to Slovakia if ministers refuse to offer taxpayer support uh, for a UK factory. Now, Tata Motors, which is the owner, um, are obviously just trying their luck here, but it's an age-old uh, car production thing, isn't it, to ask yeah, for a subsidy? I mean, what's your view of that? Because, in my view, we shouldn't be giving companies subsidies either. Should no, we? Well, you know, fundamentally, as you say, it's an age-old thing. Uh, they're, they're saying they need some extra incentive in order to invest here, otherwise they're going to go overseas. We heard all this stuff at around the time of the, the Brexit referendum. The likes of Nissan threatened to, to go overseas, and then they got, uh, you know, essentially they got some taxpayer support. Look, the thing is, though, um, for those who, you know, who want to go down the electric car route mm. and... Uh, we, yes, it's right to be building electric batteries here. There's one gigafactory going to be uh, launched up in the north. Mm. The other good news is, and this is what I'd like uh, Jaguar Land Rover to be doing, is you know we've got loads of lithium mm. here in the UK that we should be that we can mine mm. in Cornwall. I've had on my show uh, one of the uh, the lithium comp- lithium mining companies. Mm. So I'd like Jaguar Land Rover to help that company extract more lithium yes. so that we're, it's more sustainable to use our own resources. Mm our own energy resources, our own metals. Um, that way, you're creating more activity, more jobs, more investment here in the UK. That's what Jaguar Land Rover yeah. should be doing. Well, that's what they should be doing. We're going to be talking about electric cars later as well, because it turns out that, guess what? Uh, there's not enough electric charge points. And, uh, uh, that is absolutely Electricity true. is very, very expensive at the moment as well. So actually, if you have an electric car and you are paying for electricity to fill it up, if you can find someone to do it, it could cost you more than it costs you to put diesel in bleeding thing. I mean, well, at the moment it doesn't. I, I can vouch for that. But uh, there is a massive shortage of the chargers. Yeah. They're very slow. And there's absolutely no way we'll have a sufficiently sized uh, charging grid by 2030. So mm. again, once again, uh, the government will finally wake up to this and have to make some further changes. Yeah, absolutely right. Richard, look forward to talking, uh, hearing you, I should say, on Sunday. Uh, lots going on. We didn't get around to talking about Ride London, because we better set off on Saturday <laughs> night to get here, because you won't be able to get anywhere on Sunday. London will be closed, thanks very much indeed. Uh, we'll be back with more of your calls. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Do you really want this money? If you don't want it, what are you going to do? This is Talk TV. Online, on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We've got loads of you who want to talk about this because this whole idea of giving free money to people, to me, is absolute madness. I just don't see how, uh, in any way, shape or form, that the general public is going to benefit from it. Because let's not forget, yes... 
Richard Tice is right to say some people uh, will be thanking their lucky stars and they'll be heaving a huge sigh of relief and saying, well, yes, isn't it great? Now we can actually uh, afford to live for the next few months. But don't forget, first of all, this money isn't coming in until October in terms of the uh, the, wind, the windfall that you're going to get from the energy company. So you're not going to get a reduced energy bill until October. And in the meantime, if you are somebody who's in receipt of benefits and you're going to get the 650, we're not quite sure when that's coming. But, you know, there's an awful lot of questions and I'm not sure whether we can even answer them all. But you can always help. So do give us a call. 0344-499-1000. Andy Mayer's here now, Chief Operating Officer and Energy Analyst at uh, the IEA. Very good morning to you, Andy. Um, I know Richard Tice has talked in sort of very broad terms about the energy situation. Um, he says that this could have been fixed a long time ago. Is he right? Well, by fixed, yeah. I mean, if we'd actually encouraged North Sea investment for the last 10 years, as opposed to going hell for leather for net zero mm. and telling everybody that oil and gas was evil and uh, we didn't want it, yes. then we would have far more of it coming mm. out the ground. And the windfall tax wouldn't be in question because there'd be so much tax revenue coming from the North Sea. Yeah. We wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. It would also be the case that we shouldn't have done the moratorium on fracking. Mm. So we have wasted nearly 10 years arguing the toss about small safety risks while the US has got on with it. Yeah. And they're in a much better position and have managed to lower their carbon emissions mm. much faster as a result. Yes. And looking around Europe and the rest of Europe, and I know that there's a problem, obviously, between certainly Germany and some other countries taking their gas from Russia. But they don't seem to be quite in the inflationary spiral that we're in uh, with regards to energy. Energy prices aren't as high elsewhere as they are here. Why is that? It varies by country, but inflation across the economy is a monetary phenomena. Mm. And what we did here was print a lot of money in order to address the consequences of the pandemic. Right. And there was a case for that, but you've got to stop at some point, and we didn't stop quite soon Well, enough. not only did we not stop, we've just done another load. Well, yeah. I mean, the. 21 billion, according to some of the papers this morning. Well, so there's a difference between printing money and then using the tax and benefit system yeah. to move the money around. So right. what happens there is the net level of inflation, if the money stays the same, stays the same. Right. But the inflation in certain goods goes shooting up. It means you just can't spend money on the things you want as to it spend has money done. on. As it has done. Well, my understanding, unless I'm uh, wrong, is that $5 billion is going to come in through the windfall tax, but the rest is going to be borrowing, isn't it? Well, that's what the government is saying, but I was looking at those numbers last night. Mm. Uh, I don't understand how they're getting to that number. So really? the government's well, I'm own glad forecast, to find yeah. that somebody else who does understand it, because I don't understand it either. Well, the government's own forecasters said that the existing windfall tax on the North Sea, which, to be clear, is already there, right. will bring in $7.8 billion in this year. Uh, this tax, if you increase that by 25%, should bring in about $5 billion, but there's only 10 Another months of five. the year left. Well, yeah, there's only, only 10 months of the year left, right. so that's already down to $4 billion. Okay. And what the Chancellor simultaneously said is, don't worry about investment. There's an investment allowance on this new tax, mm. which means that the companies will just be throwing money into the North Sea yeah. and taking that off their taxes. Well, you can't have it both ways. You're mm. either raising that 4 or $5 billion, or you're giving people an investment allowance. Right. So it's it's four billion if nobody invests anything, and we see an investment collapse in the North Sea. Yes, it's much less than that if they don't do that. And so, presumably they're not being encouraged to invest in the North Sea because of net zero. Net zero says we shouldn't be doing any more uh, oil and gas exploration, doesn't it? Well, they've been listening to the government a bit too much and not fighting back. So the entire offshore industry has renamed their trade association to make it more aligned with the government's net zero agenda. And that agenda, to be clear, is getting out of the North Sea. It's OEUK now. What's that? Offshore Energy UK. So you're dropping all that nasty oil and gas. See, this is the bit I don't get. I mean, I've been listening to um, people from oil and gas companies saying, pretty soon, at some point in the future, we will stop exploring for oil and gas. And you're kind of going, that's literally what you do. What are you going to be doing instead? 
Well, it's, I mean, if we're looking at what the IPCC, the international net zero people, are saying yeah. about this sort of stuff, nobody is saying that we're going to stop drilling for oil and gas across the world. Mm. What they're saying is we're going to transition away from that being a primary source of energy. Yeah. And then we'll be using it for very niche purposes, like, for example, backing up the renewable power and then using carbon capture and storage to mitigate the effects. Mm. We'll be using it for creating products. I mean, it's the, it's the fundamental unit in the chemical industry yeah. from which most of the modern world's goods are made. Right. But is it also true to say that if you are going to use it as a backup to the renewables, we know the renewables are not very reliable, that they become less reliable either when it's too windy or not windy enough. Um, so you need to have a sort of long-term plan to have unlimited supplies, do you not, of that backup energy? Yeah, it's two things. I mean, you, you need the backup for the intermittency, but yeah. you need to make sure that that backup is domestic, not imported. Right. So the alternative... But we've moved away yeah. from that recently, haven't we? Oh, it's been a disaster. Yeah. So, that, you know, we're still getting a lot of oil and gas out of the North Sea, but we are reliant on imports in most years mm. for both. And there was one year during the pandemic where that didn't happen. Mm. And what we need to do is ensure we get it out of the ground here, and then we can tax it, we can provide jobs and growth here, and we can export any excess then and make money from that as well, which will then pay for things like mm. the Chancellor's just announced. Yes. And Richard was saying that the renewable companies are actually making an absolute fortune at the moment because they are tied in with this kind of basket collective of pricing, which means that regardless of what it costs them, they're benefiting hugely from the mass increase in, in uh, the profit margin. Yeah. I, the policy that was introduced by Gordon Brown in the early 2000s, the renewable obligation, has been an utter disaster. Yeah. That links the money that the renewable operators get to the wholesale price of electricity, which is the gas price mm. at the moment, the gas generation price. What that means is that before the crisis, their profit margins were 30 to 50%, which is much more than any other form of generation. Yeah. Now, 100% plus. Scottish Power, who were in the news a month ago... Not one of my favourites. Not one of your favourites, but they have a renewables division that's worth uh, generates about a billion pounds a year. Yeah. Um, half of that is profit back in 2020 right. you can imagine that's probably going to look more like 100 percent, 150 percent now mm. so when you're talking about windfall taxes the general principle is you can use a windfall tax to correct a policy error by the government well that does apply to what they did with the renewable companies mm. it doesn't apply to the benefit for example from very high levels of oil and gas prices right. around the world okay so in your view what they're doing here and i su suggested this to richard earlier this is a bit of a sticking plaster it's not really a long-term um, policy to get us out of the problem that we have. Well, I, I don't understand what long-term policy means with this government. And I don't well, think the well, government does either. I don't, I mean, they know what it means. Um, this, th we called this the party gate deflection tax yes. because that's what it is. Yeah. The government was desperately looking for a headline that would move the agenda on from mm. the current mess they've made of domestic politics. Mm. And instead, they borrowed from the Labour Party. They get no benefit whatsoever for spending three months telling everybody a windfall tax is a terrible socialist idea mm. and then bringing it in themselves. And making their own MPs vote against it yeah. before telling them to vote for it, presumably. I mean, I, if you were a backbench Conservative MP right now, I don't think you'd know what was coming down the line no. or which party you were actually representing. And also, as time goes on, and this is now becoming more political as a question, um, the next time they ask you as a backbench MP to support something, you're going to go, well, am I going to support it for this week or how long for? Because are you going to tell me, so will you turn on it next week? What? Yeah, party discipline, I would imagine, is going to be very difficult for the Conservatives going forward. Mm. I mean, the people who enjoy this are the Labour Party because uh, what, what are well, they, they going to Well, they haven't got much next? to shout about, have they? Well, also, we just heard Rachel Reeves yeah. refuse to say whether she was going to give the £400 back. So I don't think that's very nice. 
Well, that, I mean, that falls into the category of Labour MPs sending their children to private schools. It does. So, yeah, they, they're going to have to watch themselves on the consistency point. Yeah. But at the moment, all the attention is not on them. Mm. They're just, as she said, they're winning the battle of ideas. Well, she says that, but they're not, actually. But that's another story altogether. Thank you very much indeed. Andy Mayer uh, with his view, and I think a very good one on what is going on here. Energy analyst and uh, chief operating officer, of course, at the IEA. The point about all of this, surely, is that it's too good to be true, isn't it? Isn't that? I suppose that is the overarching point that I'm trying to make here. And I don't want my uh, my bank account infested, as I said earlier, with government money. I don't want it. It's my money anyway. Why don't you just let me keep it in the first place? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk TV. Talk Mike Graham, the only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, the home of common sense, the one place where you get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's Friday afternoon, so officially the weekend has begun. Uh, I've got some bad news for you, though, if you live anywhere near Essex or London, because on Sunday, Ride London is happening, right? Uh, and it's not going to be any fun at all, unless you happen to be one of the 100 people cycling around uh, from London to Essex and back. They're shutting down most of the city. Most of the bridges are going to be closed. Half the streets in Essex are going to be uh, unusable. So if you are working there, you might want to check out the uh, website to see where you can go, where you can't go. Lois Perry is here with us from Car26. I'm sure she'll have something to say about that, because quite frankly... This green agenda has got us into the mess we are currently in. Rishi Sunak would not have had to stand up yesterday and give £21 billion of your money and my money away uh, to people who don't need it mostly in order to pay for some very wealthy oil companies to get even more wealthy. People seem to think this is a great idea. Well, I'm not one of them, I'm afraid. Fracking should have been the answer years ago. Lois wrote a piece in the Express this week to say precisely that. Also, if you've got an electric car, good luck getting it charged, right? You better start making your own electricity. You better start getting a generator because there aren't enough charging points and the cost is going through the roof. I said this would happen. You should have listened to me. Stick with a big old diesel guzzling thing and you'll be much better off. 0344 499 1000 is the number. It's time to say a very good afternoon to Lois Perry. Very good. Nice to see you, Lois. Lovely to see you too, Mike. Always a pleasure. Now, listen, how about this? The cost of rapidly charging an electric car has risen sharply as energy costs have soared, right? The average cost of a litre of petrol has increased by 25% uh, and 30% for diesel. But electric cars are now going up even more because rapid charges... Uh, having to charge you the cost of electricity, which has now gone through the roof. Yep. Nobody ever thought of this, did they? Well, no, nobody did think about it. And the thing is, if we're completely dependent on one source of energy, i.e. electricity, I mean, how vulnerable does that leave us? Right. You know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And how do we make the electricity anyway? Because it's not with wind turbines. It certainly is not. No. Well, I was talking to an energy specialist earlier on, and he was talking about the fact that fracking should have been done a long time ago, which absolutely. is kind of the point of your piece this week in The Express. Yep. But not only that, but that... We will always have to have um, oil and gas generated fuel because it will have to fill in the gaps for when the renewable stuff doesn't work, which is most of the time. Which is most of the time. You need 100% gas backup Mm. for wind turbines. It's an absolute joke. And then the electricity that is made from that, then, as I say, can't be stored. You need 50 billion quid a year 
to actually replace all the batteries that you'd need to have the uh, to have the backup and it would be a mountain of batteries every single day required to back up renewables for yes. electricity the whole thing is an absolute joke and also electric cars they disenfranchise the poor mm. where are they supposed to charge their car no 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 they're supposed to be not driving oh right? no they're not allowed to drive they're not allowed to they, drive they, they kind of working class people no, driving they can get, they're allowed to get on the electric buses oh yes yes you know. well, that's very benevolent of uh, the it's powers very nice. that be yeah. but this is the thing I mean every time I walk around London and I don't want to make it just about London it's probably the same in every other city in the country but there's bus after bus after bus going past me completely empty there's yeah. nobody on them right why well, or got, you see why them they, breaking down because they run out of charge why the, yeah. that's the best one why are they driving around without anybody in them no I know it's a joke and the thing is we've got hyperinflation at the moment we're borrowing money like it's going out of fashion when we've got trillions of quids worth of actual shall guess yeah. and un- under our feet mm. I mean if the government are worried about apparent earthquakes which is nonsense anyway they should be really worried mm. about the earthquake and the tremors that are going to happen from the people yes. revolting this winter because there will be civil unrest well, people can't eat right Mike. I mean one of the reasons why you wrote this piece in the Express this week was because of the new cap which has been named at £2,800 a who year who can afford that I'm sorry I think I'm going to have to rename this energy cap because it's not a cap at all is it it's how not is that a cap? a cap that is like over 200 quid a month for people that's a huge amount of money and you think people you know they, they're taxed and everything and so that's what nearly three thousand pounds a year it's, it's a fortune it's an absolute fortune yeah. and people are on benefits and stuff like that i mean they're going to give these pe- uh, people on universal credit benefits a lump sum that'll probably get spent in the first week for some people well i mean i was saying earlier why <laughs> would you give a thousand or fifteen hundred quid to people in cash right yeah what do you think they're going to do with it well, you know, life is depressing. At I mean, the summer jubilee week, you know, might have a big party. But quite possibly, but people, even if they're responsible, it won't even touch the mm. sides, Mike. Will it? It won't no. even touch the sides. It's a, uh, you know, well, the, the four hundred quid that everybody's getting, mm. even including people who don't need it, yeah. right? Take that off of the two hundred pound. Oh, paying it back as well. Well, no, that's no, that's that's the old. Oh, one. that's the other. If way, you right? got that, I didn't get that, so no. I don't have to pay it back. But luckily, I already gave it to them first, and so if they gave it back to me and they said I could keep it, I'm still flat. You know, it's not as if, you know, they're giving me money that I didn't have. They're giving me money that I've already given them. Now they're giving another 400 quid to everybody, right, regardless of how wealthy they are. And if you've got more than one house, you get more than one payment. So if you've got three houses or five houses like Rishi Sunak, you're actually making two grand. Don't you think it's time that we get rid of Rishi Sunak? He's not a Tory, is he? What about John Redwood or Lord Frost? Well, I'd quite like to see Redwood in in power. I'd certainly like to see Lord Frost in the Cabinet, if nowhere else. Absolutely right. But, you know, unfortunately, we've got to put up with Boris Johnson for a bit longer. But I've always said, you know, don't fire him for Partygate. Fire him for the green agenda and fire him for, you know, not taking care of the migrant crisis because those are the two biggest things that Conservative voters care about. That is what people care about. And, uh, you know, there was a poll done by Howard Cox mm. um, from Fairfuel UK and it showed that 80% of those people that were polled do not want the trans- do not want the normal vehicles mm. to be banned by 2030. They want to see a transition right. to cleaner fields. I was in a cab here on, on the way to the studio yeah. and this cab driver said that he's actually switched over to LPG fuel, which right. is used in Europe quite a lot. What's that? It's actually a byproduct from from petrol and diesel. Um, it's a byproduct, so it's actually really, really green. Okay. If you believe in all that kind of stuff, right. and he said that they're actually now all the supermarket um, petrol stations that were actually supplying it are now going to stop, which is ridiculous. Why? Well, 
I don't know, because it doesn't fit in with the green agenda. There is so much money being mm. made by people by all this nonsense. Yes. There really, really Well, is. Richard Tice was saying earlier, a lot of the, com- the companies that are involved in renewable energy are mm. making an, even more money than the oil and gas companies because the cost of their extraction, if you like, or their re- production of electricity has not changed. No, so, and we're still but, using but loads of able, oil and gas. But they're able to charge a lot more money for it because of the market. Absolutely. And the thing is, doing windfall taxes is, is immoral anyway, because mm. it's actually theft. Yeah. But, you know, they haven't got the money to put into research and development to, to actually, you know, to, to it would actually put energy costs up yeah. doing a windfall tax yeah. on the oil and it gas probably companies. Will. Now, last time you and I spoke, there was there was about to be an event where they were going to pour concrete inside of the two fracking areas. Oh, yeah, I was going to go dressed opened. as Boudicca. Yes, everything. I remember that. I so what happened Sorry to that? Sorry about Cause that. Because they, they postponed that, right? Well, uh Boris Johnson's done something quite clever, actually. Mm. He's sort of put it on ice, which means that he feels that people won't be able to talk about it because a decision hasn't been made or has been made. In the actual official line is that they're going to be running tests over the next year to see whether it's possible or not. They know it's possible. Right. They did all the R&D and all of the surveys and everything in 2012, 2013, mm. when they were going for gold until the green nightmare started. Yeah. So, you know, well, we, we just have to wait and see. But, I mean, as it stands right this second... They're not being filled in. Right. But who knows? We've got a But year. are they then running the tests or is just nothing happening? Well, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So we need to we we you know, we are in touch with people to find out about all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's um I don't know. I feel like it's just been kicked into the long grass because it mm. was everywhere that story for a while. Wasn't well, do you it? know what's interesting is nobody really talks about COP twenty six anymore. Although we did discover, I think it was like the back end of last week, that there's a bunch of people working in the cabinet office who are still attached to, to COP26. And you oh, go, good. Well, I'm glad we're paying them for that. That's what fantastic. exactly are they doing? COP27 is going to be in Egypt, apparently. And maybe I could get locked in the disabled toilet, do a do a show with you in again. In Cairo, yeah. In well, Cairo. I mean, absolutely. just mix it up a bit, Mike. Valley of the Kings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Valley of the Kings. It's just beggar's <laughs> belief, isn't it? But, but so, I mean, as far as the way that electric cars are, are, are rolling out, apparently second-hand electric cars are costing a fortune. People are selling more and more of them. Which tells me that they're selling them because they don't want to have them. Well, I mean, if you think you're driving down the road electric car, right, if you charge your phone, that drains the battery. If you have the air conditioning on, that drains the battery. Yep. If you have the heating on, that drains the battery. Yep. If you have music on, that drains the battery. I mean, you know, the whole thing... It's like driving around a giant iPhone, isn't it? It is, and you know what happens with iPhones. They run out really quickly. Mm. But what about if you're a mum, a single mum or married mum, whatever, and you're living in a normal flat or whatever and you haven't got off-street parking and you know, and you can't get to a charge point because they're all full or you've got to get your kids in the car to go to school, mm. you're stuckered. Right. You're absolutely stuckered. Electric yeah. car is... Normally, the people that have got electric cars are wealthy people who've also got a petrol and diesel vehicle yeah. to do long journeys. But actually, hybrids are quite good, apparently. I've been told this by a number of scientists. Well, hybrids we make with. a lot of sense because. But they're being banned as well, they're, Mike. Yeah, they're also on the ban list. Why? Because apparently they're not green enough. Yeah, but electric cars are actually. If, even, if you believe in all the CO2 stuff, which you know I don't. Yeah. yeah um, they, they actually are much worse for the environment mm. in terms of CO2 because of the amount of CO2 that's required to make them. You have to drive about 70,000 miles yeah. before they're any better. Absolutely. And they're heavier, so you get emissions yeah. from the tyres. The whole thing's ridiculous. It really is. Mm. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who said she's got a son who has an electric car, but because the availability of charge points is so bad, yeah. he has to go out the, day be- the night before he goes to work, about half past 11 at night, to make sure he can charge his car. 
So no jumping in the car for romantic trips last minute. Well, no. And you can't... (laughs) And also, I mean, I've had this conversation with people before where you go... Um, he's like, well, it's just like going to a petrol station. Well, I said, well, it's not no, actually, it's, no, because if not. you go to a petrol station, five minutes, max, you're there, yeah. uh, you fill the car up, you've gone, you've paid for it, whether you do it on the pump or whatever. Yeah. There's no shortage of petrol. No. Generally speaking, there's no shortage. Not of unless petrol those nutters pumps. have super glued themselves. Well, to good it. luck if they ever run into me. But, um, <laughs> but if you go to an electric charge point and the one uh, that's there doesn't work, yeah. then you've got to go and find another one. And how and, long does it take? Well, a guy that uh, tried to do a trip from London to Glasgow ended up taking 16 hours to drive there because every time he got to a charge point, it was either occupied by someone, he had to wait an hour, or it didn't work. You'd need to have um, charge points, uh, like uh, equivalent petrol stations, the same size as an airport car park. you would. To actually have people being able to fill fill up, get on their way in the same way that they can at the moment. Because a lot of the, the charge points, you have to sit at them for 45 minutes. So it's not like getting, you know, so that breaks up the journey. You can't even listen to the radio, can no. you? Well, or charge I'm, your phone. Well, maybe you can while it's charging. But if oh, you're so, sitting yeah, but there... But isn't that a drain the charge that's coming into the maybe. car? No, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> the whole thing is a mess. So what's next on the agenda for you guys, Car 26? We are continuing with our campaigning. We want fracking brought back in. We want the cost of energy brought brought down. Yeah. We want to, we're want. we looking at nuclear. And we just want people to realise what this green agenda really does genuinely mean for them. So it's about pushing the message mm. out so people take it seriously because people are sort of sleepwalking into it. They think, oh, we're saving the planet. But, I mean, these heat pumps, for example, they don't heat up properly at all they're going to cost an absolute fortune yeah. the radiators that we've got in the houses don't support that you know we're, the people are going to be really really cold mm. and and you know people aren't going to be able to drive their cars it, it it's an absolute nightmare and people can't afford to heat their homes they can't afford yeah. to eat so what we're doing at the moment is just making sure that ordinary people know that this net zero ideological agenda it's funny actually because rishi sunak said oh this is about pragmatism not ideology what nonsense no, really? that is. He's pushing the net zero agenda. He really is. Absolutely ridiculous. So, good, yeah. Good to see you. We'll keep up the good fight. We need to stop these madmen for, from taking over the planet. Do. Don't worry, I'm going to stop them. To right. save it. Well done. Lois Perry, <laughs> thank, uh, thank you. you very much indeed. We'll take your calls coming next on Talk TV. Online on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV with you all the way through until one o'clock. I've still got plenty of you who want to talk to me. We will get to all of you as best we can. If not, of course, Ian Collins is here from one. Uh, he'll be taking you through till four. And then it's Rob Rinder. And then it's Tom Newton done with the news. Desk. Then it's Piers Morgan uh, at eight o'clock. And then, of course, it is The Talk, followed by James Whale. Uh, so all sorts of great things going on. Not to be forgotten, by the way, uh, in case you haven't seen it yet, it's me and Kevin O'Sullivan tomorrow night uh, with the Saturday Night Talk Away. Uh, it's becoming a big success that show uh, and I can't wait to do it with Kevin we've got some great plans some of which I don't even know about uh, because the way the show is put together is that I don't always know exactly what we're doing until Saturday night but it's very exciting and it's great fun so you shouldn't miss it seven o'clock tomorrow night right here on Talk TV right now though let's talk to Annabelle Denham columnist at The Spectator because a couple of items have come across the desk today about the BBC you know how they're trying to uh, sort of somehow save their own bacon for want of a better phrase they've now come out and suggested that they're going to do away with CBBC. They're going to do away with um, Channel 4, that is BBC 4, uh, and they're going to try and put it online. The trouble is we've seen all this before with Radio 3. Uh, we've seen it all before with uh, BBC 3. All put it online, and then suddenly it comes back as a regular TV channel. So let's find out from Annabelle what is going on. Annabelle, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, the BBC are doing sort of hokey-cokey here, aren't they? They sort of offer it uh, with one hand and then 
take away some more over there and you're never quite sure i mean bbc3 disappeared and went online then it came back bbc4 was going to go then there was a petition radio 6 was going to go and then it came back you know is any of this actually ever going to happen well, certainly there's been a lot of salami slicing mm. over the years, Mike, and it just goes to show how difficult it is for the corporation to really focus in on the commercial aspects. Um, what it's trying to do really is deal with the freeze in the licence fee. It's been frozen for two years at £159 uh, a year and to really try and preserve over the longer term that levy um, on anybody who owns a TV set and watches live television or indeed BBC programming. Now, the latter is justifiable, but the former really isn't. In fact, I've struggled to see any justification for public service broadcasting in the 21st century. Let's not forget that when the licence fee was introduced, we lived in a world of very limited spectrum and one tv channel mm. the same cannot be said today look at the breadth of content that is now out there not just on our television sets but of course on the internet as well mm. and what the bbc is really trying to do here is appeal to a younger audience now typically we see it <laughs> attempting to do that through uh, various woke initiatives but this time you know it's introduced this this range of measures um particularly moving from linear to online that is hopefully going to attract more younger audiences, mm. but they're up against it because, you know, 50% of all consumption among the under 24s is non-linear. It's, it's on demand. Yes, um, yes. So the BBC is, is struggling against the competition. Now, I mean, what I would like to see is the licence fee be scrapped altogether. As I say, I really struggle to see how this anachronism can be justified in 21st century mm. Britain. Um, and perhaps, uh, you know, if we're not moving towards that, we're at least moving towards a corporation that is going to be uh, more conscious of where its resources are spent. And they're very, very terrified, aren't they, of actually sort of opening up this can of worms because they don't know what they'll find. They don't know where it all ends because we're told that BBC Four will disappear by 2025, which is three years from now. Um, I've seen BBC 24. I, I watch it on sometimes a Saturday night uh, when there's nothing else going on. Um, but it seems to be a sort of collection of mostly Nordic murder dramas, um, a bit of musical kind of uh, history and some Top of the Pops episodes and some old grey whistle tests and all of that. I mean, it doesn't appear to be commissioning anything, doesn't appear to be doing anything different. And it seems to me to be completely and utterly surplus to requirements. I mean, I certainly don't think it's driven by consumer demand. It's more a sense of, of what the BBC thinks we ought to be watching rather than necessarily what we actually want to be watching. And of course, that's being reflected in viewing figures among those younger audiences, um, a lot of whom, of course, not just consuming content uh, that's on demand, but mm. TikTok and YouTube videos, you know, things that... Uh, the BBC at the moment has got no no rival to. But I, I agree with you, Mike, that, you know, the programming is it's often trying to be all things to all people and, and really appealing to no one at all. Right. Now, of course, it was announced earlier this month that the BBC was going to spend or had a plan to spend £50 million over four years finding out what the public want to watch on their TV sets or listen to on their radio. Well, let's not forget that the BBC employs over 22,000 people. I mean, you have to wonder whether one of those couldn't have done some of this, this market <laughs> research. Well, quite. Rather, uh, rather rather than, yeah, rather than handing it out to one of Tim Davies' mates. I mean, this is the other thing. Uh, they're talking about moving a 1,000 people to either a redundancy position or onto their commercial operation. I mean, they've got 
got so many people and so much um, uh, depart different so many different departments. I mean, they're talking about this. Another big change: the BBC's rolling news channel is to be merged with BBC World News, the international channel. Well, why not? Uh, this, apparently, they'll show the same content at the same time. Do you know there's also another further BBC News channel, which I happened to find once on a plane. Uh, I was flying to New York one time, and there's a different BBC News channel for for, for aeroplanes. And it's, it's a completely different staff. It's all done at Broadcasting House, different set, different view of the big you know room where all the news journalists are. And it's a completely different separate entity, which presumably they will say is part of their commercial operations. So they sell that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you're absolutely right. It makes sense to merge the World Service with the BBC News Channel. It just needs to feel some of the commercial pressures that other broadcasters that don't um, aren't funded through a state levy uh, feel. And that should uh, lead to superior programming and this avoidance of, of what is ultimately duplication of a lot of uh, a lot of the content that it's putting out yeah. there. Um, but I think, you know, too often um, we talk about how the BBC couldn't survive without the licence fee, that if we end the levy, then we're essentially uh, drawing to a close that that national treasure that is that is auntie. Um, but actually, there's a really compelling case that it would do better without the levy. You know, the BBC does have this international audience, mm. the sort of people who watch BBC World Service. Um, more than 400 million foreign viewers access its broadcast content at least once a week and by limiting its scope to British viewers it's actually making it impossible for the BBC to match Amazon's what 100 million subscribers mm. or Netflix's though Netflix of course has been uh, in some difficulty itself but around 150 million subscribers so I think we, it, it needs to avoid being too trepidatious yes. be a little bit more ambitious about uh, what, what it could potentially achieve but none of that will happen if it's still being funded by by the licence no. fee. Because if it's free, people will say they watch it. It's as simple as that. You know, if they suddenly start charging for something, people go, well, I don't know if I want to do that. But let us not do this little segment without mentioning Nick Robinson in Dispatches, the former political editor of the BBC, who yesterday, I happened to hear it uh, because I was sitting in the car coming into work, happened to hear him interviewing Steve Barclay. And he's been very vitriolic, very sort of BBC, very tenacious, having a go at the government minister, uh, saying to him that Partygate was a disgrace. Why didn't Boris Johnson know about all these other parties going? He then accused number 10 and specifically um, Boris Johnson uh, more or less causing the death of a cleaner who was forced to come into work a guy by the name of Emmanuel Gomez he said he was forced to come into work during the Covid pandemic he caught Covid because he was told he couldn't stay at home and he died right now it turns out that not only was that a completely untrue statement the bloke did indeed work uh, in the uh, government he worked for the Ministry of Justice he was nowhere near number 10 um, and the story was completely false and he had to issue a humiliating apology and I heard him this morning talking to Rishi Sunak and he sounded a lot less worked up yeah, I mean, it's quite an extraordinary uh, slip up that Nick Robinson had made there. And as you say, he was forced to make this this groveling um, uh, apology afterwards. Um, certainly, I think over the last six months, if you can believe that Partygate has been going on for half a year, um, there has been a witch hunt from certain aspects of the British media. And if you looked at the BBC homepage on a random day in that six month period, in all, in all likelihood, Partygate was the uh, was the lead story um you know they've, they've really struggled to 
to let this go. And of course, this is coming off the back of Tim Davies' insistence that there was going to be a new action plan, that the BBC was going to address impartiality and editorial standards. But, you know, this just goes to show how difficult it is going to be for the BBC to change its political monoculture. Um, it still has this fixation with um, diversity, um, but not diversity of thought, of course. No. It's obsessed with uh, wokery, not seeming to realise that, you know, actually wokery is is often um, the enemy, not the enemy of prejudice, but it's handmaiden. And we saw today um, a story that Nadine Dorries would like to have 25% of BBC staff uh, coming from working class yeah. backgrounds. So essentially what you've got are um, the public being forced to pay a levy, even though they may not avail themselves of BBC services. Of course, if you um, don't own a television set, then you don't need to have, and you're not watching BBC programming, you do not need yeah. to have a, um, uh, a license fee. But, you know, nonetheless, a lot of people do watch live television and but and therefore have to pay the levy. Yeah. And that's now going towards social engineering it's Fun. awful. Absolutely awful. Listen, we've got to run. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. Annabelle Denham, Collins Spectator, the BBC. What a shambles. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.